Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey guys, I hope you like that music. I, we're, we may try to change that out and do something a little different uh, here in the next few weeks. It was just something a little bit odd, so I thought, well, maybe that'll hold people's interest. I don't know. Hey, welcome. I saw we had a few more people jump on. Uh, I think I saw Sandy jump in there just as we were uh, cutting out to the uh, the countdown clock. And Jonathan, good to have you. And Joe's in. And Cheryl, I saw Cheryl and Heather are in. And Jessica. And there is Stephanie. So look at that. Our crowd is getting a little thicker tonight. So that's awesome. Hey, welcome. We're going to jump into a new series tonight, uh, Why We Need the Bible. And uh, I really felt like this was timely, um, especially this week's lesson. And you'll see why here in a little bit. I think it just does a pretty good job of uh, speaking to the day and the age that we're in. So, hey, we're going to pray. And uh, then we're going to get into this tonight. So uh, just one one prayer request. Uh, I talked to Melvin uh, Sims this, or actually talked to Vicki Sims this uh, afternoon for a little bit, checking on Melvin. Uh, he's been having some uh, pretty serious health issues uh, and dealing with a, a, a blood clot. So we want to pray for him tonight. Uh, and then we're going to pray over our Bible study and we're going to jump into this. So you guys uh, just agree with me in prayer here for a moment as we get ready to jump in. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. It is good even in the middle of uh, all the stuff going on in our world to be able to get together uh, even online and uh, and be able to study the things of God. And I pray tonight as we do this that you would be, again, even online, be in the middle of, of all that we discuss, all that we talk about, all that we look at tonight. And, and help us, Lord, to take the truths that we're going to look at tonight and take them beyond um, just stuff in our head. It's great to have knowledge, but it's so much more important to have wisdom and, and things that apply to our lives. So help us with that tonight. I pray for Melvin. We as the people of God agree together. We ask you to touch him. We pray that, pray that the swelling that, that, that he's dealing with and the clot that he's dealing with will dissipate in a healthy way. And, and God, that you'll do a supernatural work. Lord, be with him tonight. We pray also for Susan tonight. Uh, she, she's recovering and uh, just going through some, some health things as well. And we ask you to touch her and be with her and her family. In Jesus' name, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are going to jump in this to this t tonight. So why we need the Bible, and I put a couple scriptures up we're going to use as kind of our key text tonight, but we'll look at a few others as well. 2 Timothy 3.16, uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 20 is where we're going to be with this tonight. Um, so let's just jump in. And let me just talk for a minute before we jump into reading those scriptures about this. No absolutes. Have you heard or ha have you caught the the... I don't know how you can miss it, but just the cultural wind that we're in right now and, you know, being 54 and having lived through a few decades and, and, and some of you even more than I, um, this is not something new. This is something that we've seen building like a storm over a very long time. But boy, the winds of, uh, of no absolutes, no real truth. Um, have almost, it feels like, reached hurricane level in our culture right now. And we're living in a time and a day and an era where we're, as a culture, we're very comfortable saying, you know what, there is no absolute truth or reality. Or if we're going to say there is an absolute truth, then we tend to want to say, 
it's my truth. It's the truth that I accept and believe. And so we see it in all kinds of things. We see it in the condition of marriage in our nation right now. We see it in the uh, con- condition of, of just the social fabric of what's around us. Um, so many different areas, so many different places. Uh, what does the family look like? What is considered appropriate and inappropriate? What's truth and what's what's a lie? What's honesty and what's dishonesty? What's acceptable? What's ethical? What's moral? All of those things. People are just all over the place. Uh, and if you actually have the audacity, the, the courage, the craziness to stand up and say, hey, there is an absolute truth and it's built upon God's word, People call you all kinds of things, narrow-minded, and and um, you know, there's just they'll, they'll want to label you, and, and that's unfortunate that that's the day we're living in. But it abs, it just is. No absolutes is where we're living. So where I want to go tonight is this: I want to talk about the authority of Scripture, um, because living in a culture with no absolute uh, absolutes, it becomes even more imperative that we as God's people understand the authority of Scripture, but not just the authority of Scripture, but where that authority comes from, the source of authority. So let's just let's just think about that tonight. I'd like you guys to, to hang with me here and think this through with me for a minute. Where does, um, what is the source of authority? And I've put a few things here on the screen with me tonight. So rather than think of it in the terms of Scripture, let's back away from Scripture for a second uh, as its authority. And let's just look at authority in general. So let's talk about the President of the United States. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Donald J. Trump or you're talking about Barack Hussein Obama, um, the last two presidents, either, either one of them, two different parties, it doesn't matter. Where does their authority come from? And, and and maybe we could even look at it from the context of, of a police officer. Where does their authority come from? And, and in all cases, authority comes from a few different spots. And, and each one has a little more uh, strength to it than the other. But the first place, I suppose, would be title. The president of the United States has authority because he has the title president. Now, frankly, um, if your authority comes just strictly from title, it doesn't get you very far very fast for very long. Um, titles wear pretty thin pretty quick. So that that's a pretty weak place for authority to come from, but it is certainly one place that um, I, I think people tend to see authorities. If somebody has the, the name doctor behind them, okay, they're probably going to initially carry a little more authority than somebody that doesn't. Now, we've become pretty skeptical of authority in America right now, and in some cases, maybe that's good, and certainly a lot of cases it's justified, um, so that makes the whole thing interesting. But where else does the, does the, what other things are the source of authority? Well, we could say it's the it's power or it's might. So so just I, I'm going somewhere with this as far as Scripture goes, the authority of Scripture. Um, the President of the United States, if I can go back there again, regardless of whether you're talking President Trump or President Obama, I, I mean I think it could be argued that one of the reasons they have the authority they have is because they have behind them the power and the might of the United States uh, military. The United States government, the United States Fed, the United States whatever, uh, they have a lot of authority because they have a lot of power and a lot of might behind them. Uh, I think you could also say the same thing with the police. Why do the police have the authority that they have? Well, because, I mean, if you want to take it down to its most base level, I suppose, because they carry a gun. Um, because they have others who, if them and their weapon isn't enough, they can call those those others, other police officers as well, to support them. 
Uh, so they're also power and, and might. But there's other places that authority comes from. Authority also comes from uh, knowledge, somebody that has knowledge. That's why the doctor, the PhD, many times will be seen as an authority figure because they, are, they, they supposedly have more knowledge than the average person. And, and I'll give you a perfect example right now would be uh, the, the person that we see on TV often with regards to COVID, Dr. Fauci. Um, why is he is seen as a somebody as a person of authority? Because he has knowledge, not not just in a degree, but he has a lot of years of experience, and that tends to give him uh, a, a authority. Um, but there's also another means towards authority, and that would be the rightness of the cause, or the righteousness, or or even the ethical stand of the individual. And, and I'll give you just two examples that are not biblical or or scriptural, or even Christian-oriented. Well, one is Christian-oriented, one not so much. But how about Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? We could talk about him. He was um, all, all, he had was a person who in his day had a lot of authority, uh, but he had really no military might behind him. Uh, you could say he had knowledge. I, I'm sure that's true. Um, title, I suppose. But really what it came down to was the rightness of his cause. Another one who is outside of Christianity would be Gandhi. Uh, who had a lot of authority, but his authority came from the rightness of his cause. And it's interesting to me that both of these men that had a lot of influence and a lot of authority, both pursued it by way of uh, nonviolence. I, I mean, they took a lot of, of um, we'll say, abuse, uh, suffered a lot on their part, but they were about nonviolence. And the very fact that they chose to stand for a cause of rightness, even in the face of uh, persecution, because they felt like their cause was right, I believe gave them more authority rather than less, which is an interesting insight into those that want to riot today and use that as a, a supposedly a means of authority or or influence. It, it, it's all, it feels like maybe it's a, a bit um, counterintuitive, but rightness, the rightness of the cause would be another place of authority. And then finally, I, I, this is, is not a source of authority, but I want you to think about this. Authority can be given. We give it to the President of the United States in, in uh, well, in either uh, six months or four years and six months, uh, President Trump will no longer have authority, depending on whether he wins or doesn't win this next election. Um, President Obama, uh, three and a half years ago, lost his authority because uh, we as the people um, didn't give it back to him again. And I, I understand the the constitutional reasons he couldn't run again. But but the point being that authority is given or it's taken. And you think about dictators around the world. They have authority, but their authority doesn't come because anybody's given it to them. It comes because they've stepped in and be, by virtue of power or might, they've taken it. So uh, those are some things about authority that I want you to think about tonight. Now, here's the reason why, and, and here's where this connects to Scripture. Let's talk about the authority of Scripture. The authority of God's Word Okay, it exists. It exists because of its source and its source is God. Now, I want you to think about this with me. Okay, everything I've talked about, let's put it now back in the context of, of, of the authority of Scripture and the authority of, of God, because Scripture's authority comes from God. Does he have title? Yeah, I would say he does. King of kings, Lord of lords, 
creator of all things. You could go to the the, the old Jehovah Jireh, uh, God our provider, uh, uh, Jehovah Nisei, all, all those Old Testament titles for him. Does God have title? Absolutely, he has title. Does God have power and might? Uh, I, I would say as creator of all things, I, I would say he does have a little bit of power and might. Does God have knowledge? As one who is omniscient, all-knowing, knows all things that have ever been, are, or ever will be, I, I would say he kind of has some authority in that way. And, and I think most importantly, he has the authority of rightness. And we'll, we'll, we'll move that to kind of a spiritual context of righteousness. God, by nature, by virtue of his very nature, is right, righteous, and his rightness is, is ultimate. So does God himself have authority? Absolutely he does. But I think it's also important to remember and realize this. God also gives us the freedom to accept his authority or not. Now that's important because God has absolutely got the ability, if he wanted to do it, he could step into our world, into our universe, and say to us, listen, you are going to do things the way I see them to be done, and you don't really have any say, say, say so about it. He could be that dictator, but God makes the choice that he's going to exercise his authority, not by virtue of his might at this time, but he's going to do it by giving us a choice. And we can choose to either... Um, submit our lives to his authority, or we can choose not to. But here, here's the thing about choosing to not submit to authority, okay? When you choose to not submit to authority, that's fine. That's your prerogative. But then you need to live with the consequences of that. Meaning that if the authority is somebody who has more knowledge, they have more um, experience, as God does, and you choose to go a different direction with your life, okay, that's fine. But there will be consequences. And I don't mean consequences of God is going to put the boom on you. But I mean consequences if God, as our Heavenly Father, wants the best for us. And if we choose to live our lives a different way, then we're going to live outside of the best that, that God, who knows all things, has for us. And there will be consequences. The consequences are the consequences of our own action. And, and, and I hope that makes some sense tonight because God gives us that freedom to accept his authority or not. And people all over this world through all of time have chosen to go their own path, believing apparently or thinking apparently uh, they knew more than God knows. And we're seeing it today because more and more there is just this whole idea of there is no absolutes. There is no absolute God rightness. So we're going to do it our own way. Now, here's the thing. And, and here's the source of all authority, and here's the connect to Scripture. All Scripture, this is why we say that God's Word has authority, because it comes from God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Now, the King James Version says all Scripture is inspired by God. And, and people sometimes, uh, they, 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 they question how did the Bible get written. And, and people have some... Um, Differing views on that. Some people will go to one extreme or another. So let me let me tell you what I see as from 2 Timothy 3.16. Those that believe that God dictated Scripture. In other words, he came down and took possession or control uh, of the body, the mind, the hand of the individual writer. Uh, they, they believe in a very strong dictation kind of inspiration. Um, I don't believe this scripture supports that. When it talks about scripture is breathed out by God, it's not a dictation kind of terminology. It's not that God came down and dictated to the individual writers what they would, would, would write. He came down and he, the King James says inspired, probably more accurately would be the NIV or the ESV where he breathed out, he breathed his desire into the author. So as we read scripture, what we find is um, God 
he managed to get put on paper what he wanted to put on paper, but he also gave the individual personalities and uh, characteristics uh, and style of the writers, he gave them that freedom as well. So it is that combination. So God breathed his ideas, his concepts, his truth, his principles um, through the authors of Scripture, and, and that's how we get Scripture. So the authority of Scripture comes by virtue of God, who is the source. Now, if you ever get into a conversation with somebody that's struggling with, you know, I just don't believe this whole, the Bible is inspired, God-given, whatever. There's there some very good and valid ways to, to um, have that conversation that, that gives strength to our position that it is absolutely inspired and absolutely is uh, has authority. One of those is to look at what it says about itself, okay? And what it says about itself, according to 2 Timothy 3.16, is all Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, by the way, is breathed out by God. Now, if you're talking to that person, they're going to say to you, well, that doesn't prove anything because the Bible says about the Bible that it's inspired. That doesn't prove anything. And, and here would be my answer to that. You're right. It doesn't prove anything, but it's certainly the place we ought to start because if the Bible didn't claim of itself that it was inspired, if the Bible never claimed that it was uh, God-breathed, then I would really have no business myself going any further with the conversation or the discussion. So the place to start, but not the place to finish, the place to start is all Scripture is breathed out by God. So just something to keep in mind when you have those conversations. L let's look tonight also, as far as the source of authority, at 2 Peter 1, 20-21, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. In other words, these guys didn't dream this stuff up. It wasn't a bad pizza night. It wasn't a bad dream. It wasn't some creative uh, individual. It's not from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were, and I like this. This is another way of looking at the whole breathe thing. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So you see the influence of the Holy Spirit in the creation of Scripture. So let, let, let's just look at it this way. The source of authority, the source of God's Word as authority is this. The authority of Scripture comes from the authority of God. Now, here's just something to ponder a little bit, okay? For us as followers of Christ, I believe we had better honor the authority of God. Therefore, I believe we should honor the authority of Scripture. But for those outside of relationship and faith with God, they don't honor, they don't recognize the authority of God. Therefore, they're probably not going to recognize the authority of Scripture. And and we, we live in a unique um, piece of time because in America anyway, in the West, especially America, we've gone literally hundreds of years, especially from the founding of this nation, that most people, even if they didn't um, have a relationship with God, they still tended to recognize the authority of Scripture, or at least the principles, the authority of the principles of Scripture. And we're just now coming into a time that really is more reflective of, of most of humanity, where most of humanity looks at God and looks at Scripture and says, I don't recognize any of that authority. And, and I think we as Christians, we need to be aware of that 
Um, because if we're not careful, it's very easy for us to fall into to to following the authority of culture instead of the authority of scripture, and it happens very subtly. So we need to be really aware of that, and, and we also need to be very wary of being too judgmental of those outside of the faith of of, of, of the Christian faith, because you know we we oftentimes, and again, this is probably more in America, we look at people and and we we. We look at them and we judge them because they don't live up to scriptural standards. But in reality, why would they live up to scriptural standards if they don't recognize the authority of scripture or the authority of God? It, it, they're not going to. Um, and the reason we seem to expect them to is because we have lived in that unique period of time where most people did. But as we've moved into the late 20th and 21st century, that has certainly changed. Uh, so just just something to ponder, something to think about. Let's keep going with this. Let me talk to you a minute about why pastors and leaders must lean into the authority of Scripture, okay? And this is something that um, is very important to me. It's very um, dear and near to my heart, near and dear to my heart, I guess. Why pastors and leaders must lean into the authority of Scripture. And let me let me try to illustrate it this way with a, a, a few things here I've put on the screen. Um, people will take the stand with their leaders, their pastors, their, their, their spiritual leaders, I mean. Uh, just support what's right. Just, pastor, just support what is right. Support what's right. And, and, I mean, that's good. That's fair. I, I think that is even right. Support what's right makes sense to me. Support what's right. But here, let me, so let me translate that statement. Pastor, just support what's right. Here's the translation, okay? Pastor, support what I believe to be right. Now think about that for a minute. As a leader, as a pastor, as somebody trying to shepherd a flock, somebody trying to, to lead a church, somebody lead a, trying to lead an organization as a Christian, Christian, um, we've got people that say, pastor, just support what's right. But what they really mean is, pastor, support what I believe to be right. But here's the challenge. Everybody's belief in America, because we have no absolutes, everybody's belief in America is a little different. So everybody wants to come to you and say, support what I believe to be right. And, and, and there's very little agreement. I, I found this on Facebook today, and I thought it was just so very appropriate for uh, tonight's lesson. Um, so let me just read this to you, okay? Well, this is this is the, the the a few weeks in the life of the pastor right now. Church member number one, three weeks ago, church member one number one comes and says, Pastor, why in the world are you reopening the church uh, church services so soon? Pastor, just do what's right. And obviously, what's right is don't open the church services so soon. What's the matter with you? Church member number two comes and says, Pastor, why in the world did you ever shut down church services in the first place? Pastor, just do what's right. Obviously, we should have never shut down church services. So, Pastor, just do what's right. Week number two goes like this. Church member number one comes and says, Pastor, you don't seem to care about the struggle of minorities. Pastor, just do what's right. And obviously, really important to me is the struggle of minorities. And, you know, there can't be both. You can't support the struggle of minorities and support the struggle of, of other, other organizations and people as well. And church member number two comes and says, Pastor, why haven't you been more supportive of the police? Just do what's right, Pastor. And then there's week one, a week ago. And this hasn't been in my life. I've been on vacation the last week, so I've not had to deal with any of this. It's been wonderful. But this is the reality we live in and we lead in. Church member number one, um, require mass, Pastor. Clearly, you don't care about human lives. Require mass. Just do what's right, Pastor. And then church member number two comes, require masks, Pastor. Clearly, you don't care about human liberty. And uh, this week... Um, God, are you sure you don't want me to go sell cars? That was posted on Facebook today by a friend of mine. 
And I just thought, yeah, that's 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 very appropriate. So why must churches and pastors lean so heavily into the authority of Scripture? It's because we're living in a day and an age, and it's not a new time, it's not the first time, we're living in a day and an age where everybody does what's right in their own eyes. And, and listen, it doesn't matter which side of a, a, an issue we're talking about, and it could be any issue you want to pick. I promise you there will be not two perspectives, but probably six at any given time. So how does a leader lead? Well, the way a Christian leader leads and the way a pastor leads is he leads based upon what God's Word says is right, the authority of Scripture. Now, I promise you that every one of those different positions, um, if they want to try very hard, they'll find Scripture to support their position. And the pastor has to support. He better lean heavily into God's Word and understand the totality of God's Word. And, and you guys that have been around me a long time know I talk a lot about context, 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 the whole of Scripture. Don't just come and tell me what God's Word says. Come and tell me what God's Word says, and then just t tell me what else God's Word says. In other words, tell me what God's Word says that supports your position, but then how about you come and tell me what God's Word says that supports the other position, because once you can do that, then I know for a fact that you've actually spent enough time, energy, and effort, and prayer, and study into this that, that you understand the totality of God's Word, and, and, and maybe you end up in the same place, but at least you've taken time to understand all of God's Word and, and understood it in context and understood the principles behind it and have some support of it. Because we are living, and it's not new, we are living in the days, just like in the in the time of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and every did, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what, if you want to if you want a disturbing read, go and read the book of Judges. I mean, some of the stories in there are just disturbing. And in America, we've lost our minds, and we are headed that way so fast. Um, it's not the first time. But here's the other part of this, okay? It's not the second time, or it's not the last time either. And I'm going to jump over here, if I can do it, to full screen. And I want you guys to look at these passages with me in 2 Timothy, okay? In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. Sound familiar to anybody? Now, the irony of this is, I preached and said this exact same thing 40 years ago, 30 years ago. Okay, maybe not 40 years ago. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. And every time I preach it, it's even more true than it was before. And you got to wonder, God, where, can, where, where will this end? Because every time I would say, we're losing our minds. And I believe we're more there today than we've ever been. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And here's what it says, avoid such people. Do you know how tired and how old it gets to have to constantly be dealing with those kind of things? It's like, God, you call me to reach lost people. You call me to care for people. You call me to shepherd. You call me to love people. Do we really have to bicker and fight over whether we do or don't wear masks? Now, I'm appreciative that I have not actually had anybody challenge me on whether I should or shouldn't wear masks. So don't apply this too close to home. But I will tell you, these are things that I, like every other pastor and every other leader in one form or another, deals with on a regular basis. Um, we live in some pretty interesting times. 
2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Let's, let's go just a little further in, into this. We've got just a few minutes left, and I, I want to try to bring this to a close tonight. 2 Timothy, Paul also in Timothy, he goes on in chapter 4, and he says this, I charge you in the presence of God. And here's what I mean by pastors we've, and, and, and really all Christian leaders on whatever level. He says, I charge you in the presence of God, preach the word. For the time, the time, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. Now notice this. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. We have our tribe and within our, our, our church, in all churches, and Christian world, whatever. We all have our group of people. We all have our TV networks we watch, and, and they support our positions. And we don't want to think beyond those positions. These are the days we live in. And, 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 and that's, what, that's what Paul says. Listen, pre, this is why pastors have got to lean into the authority of Scripture. Because the day is coming when people will have itching ears, is the way Paul says it. They're, they're going to set themselves up with people to just feed what they already believe. And my goodness, if that's not where we live today, uh, I just don't know what is. For among them are those who are always learning and never able to arrive at not the knowledge of the tr truth, which is just crazy to me. They constantly learn. They constantly study. They constantly go to... Um, they constantly go to Google. They constantly go to YouTube. They constantly go to authors that support their views. I appreciate the few people in this world that actually will come to me and say, Pastor, I need somebody to challenge me. I need somebody to give me another view. I need somebody that will be honest enough with me to have a conversation and say to me, maybe there's another way to look at this. And I'll be honest with you as a pastor, as a leader, as, as somebody that himself values that, there aren't very many people in this world today that actually take that approach. Usually, if you challenge questions, or try to bring out another perspective, you're ostracized, you're looked down upon, you're challenged, you're, you, you stir anger. And that's unfortunate because when it comes to understanding Scripture, interpreting Scripture, reading Scripture, we're, we're told, we're taught in Scripture itself to do it as a community because, listen to me, folks, it's so easy to have blind spots, including me. I, we, we easily fall into blind spots. We fall into grooves, ruts that we read the same Scriptures over and over and over. And sometimes we need somebody to come in and say, hey, have you ever looked at it this way? Or, hey, have you ever considered this scripture along with that scripture? That's why scripture is meant to be understood and interpreted in community, in the community of the church, the local church. And that's one of the reasons church is so important, because we, we sharpen each other, uh, to, to use an Old Testament metaphor. We sharpen each other when we do that. It, it goes on, Paul goes on, he says, continue in what you, he's telling Timothy, continue on in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And, and this is really important. Know who you are learning what you're learning from. You know, one of the reasons I appreciate the local church is this. I've always been able to know my local pastor, know his character, know his integrity, look him in the eyes. Whether I agreed with him or disagreed with him, I could always look him in the eyes. I could always know what, that he was living out or not living out what he proclaimed. But there's so many teachers today, uh, and, and I'm not unaware of the irony that I'm teaching this on uh, a, a Facebook live feed, but there's so many teachers today that are, are teaching and preaching from all around the world, all over the place, and, and even those in mega churches, you can never actually um, approach them, either because of distance or because of the size or whatever, you can't approach them. And I've always appreciated leaders that I could actually approach and get to know on, on some degree of a personal level and, and see their lives. Um, know whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to focus in on this last part for a minute. Here's the power of the authority of Scripture and the importance. These are the, the power of the authority of Scripture. It is what is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
Uh, let me keep going here. Uh, I want to look at one more part of 2 Timothy tonight. This is where we started this. This is a key scripture. This is part of Paul's answer. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. So here's the authority of scripture. Okay, get this. And I'm bringing this to a close. Scripture, and knowing that it has authority, it teaches us, it corrects us and reproves us, it trains us in how to live righteously. Now listen to me. How do you determine what is a righteous lifestyle, a righteous choice, whether we're talking about whatever you, you pick, um, how do you determine what is righteous and what is appropriate? What comes out of your mouth, how relationships go, how your attitudes are, how you act, the behaviors you uh, support and you live out and those you don't. How do you determine what is righteous? Do you do it by what culture says? Do you do it by what TV says? Do you do it by what Hollywood says? Do you do it by what CNN says? Do you do it by what Fox News says? Or do you do it based upon what the entirety of God's Word says? Because God's Word is set up to train us in righteousness. So get the two pieces of this, okay? The authority of Scripture is this. First of all, it is the path that will lead us towards salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Most important. Second thing is, it corrects us and reproves us, and we give our lives to Christ. We spent all of a number of weeks in Galatians talking about this. We give our lives to Christ, saved by grace, not grace and. But then after we get saved, we give our lives to Christ, we step into relationship. It is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God that reproves us, corrects us, teaches us, and trains us in righteousness. This is the authority of Scripture. This is why we need the Bible. Psalms 119.105 puts it this way, Your word is a lamp to my feet, it's a light to my path. Just another way of putting that same perspective there. Let me wrap this up with some application to, 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 to this evening. And I, I hope you've pulled some things as I've taught through this whole thing. But let me just give you a, a three or four things here as we bring this to a close. First thing would be this. I would encourage you, please recognize the days and the culture you live in. Okay, if you're my age or older, recognize that it's no longer the 1950s. It's no longer the 1980s. It's no longer even the 1990s. Culture has changed, and, and I think it's hard to miss that. I know you don't miss that. I know you see that. But recognize the days and the culture you live in. If you're younger than me, if you're especially 30 and under, recognize that the days and the culture you live in are, are not the norm. It's not what the world's often been. It's not what America's been for the last 200 years. Now, I don't think we're ever going back to where America was. Um, we're going to move forward. What forward looks like, I don't know. Um, it may look like a move of God. It may look like uh, falling into complete decadence. I don't know. Um, we need to be praying. But recognize the days and the culture you live in. I, I would suggest that to you, first of all. Recognize the days and the culture you live in. Also, and with that in mind, give Scripture the place of authority in your life it deserves. When you recognize the days and the culture you live in, you, and you recognize there are no absolutes per culture's perspective, my goodness, give God's words, God's Scripture, the, the, the Scripture, the place of authority in your life that it deserves. Allow it to guide you to salvation. That would be my first thought. And then allow it, and, and, and not culture, to determine what's right and wrong in your life. And I could spend so much time talking about so many cultural issues, um, but I'm not going to tonight because you all know what so many of them are. And if you don't, um, you need to open God's Word and you need to read it and read it in context and read the entirety of it. You need to make coming to the house of God a regular practice. You need to be tuning into this feed every week so we can talk about this stuff. Um, allow it and not culture to determine right and wrong in your life. It's so important. And uh, last one would be this. 
And I just leave you with this. Learn scripture, study it, meditate on it, hide it in your heart, and it will make you, according to 2 Timothy 3.15, it will make you wise for salvation. That is my thoughts for tonight. That is my lesson for tonight. Let me just take a second here, a moment here, and let's look at next week. Next week, we're going to look at the Bible and moral guidance, and we're going to talk, jump into some of those moral issues, the Bible and moral guidance. And I've put some scriptures up there. I'll let you all um, jot them down, or you can go back and jump to the end of the video if you like. That If you'd like to read them this week, just to kind of know where we're going next week, there you go. They're there for you. Hey, guys, love you guys. Um, it's been good to be back. We're a few minutes past 7 tonight. I appreciate you hanging in there with us as we went just a bit long tonight. Um, couple thoughts real quickly for you, and we're going to get out of here. And, and just remember, Sunday, we're back to two services. So we'll have our 9.30 service and our 11 o'clock service again. Looking forward to preaching. And um, just say we missed you guys. And uh, it's good to be back. And to be completely honest, like with all of you, uh, you kind of go off that, that – uh, that vacation, uh, you just have that vacation moment. It's like, wow, on the one hand, I'm glad to be back. On the other hand, well, I could be on vacation for another week to catch up on the lost sleep on vacation. You guys understand that. But it is good to be back. To be back. I appreciate Pastor Duke stepping in and preaching last week. And uh, I understand we had a great crowd Sunday morning. Excited for that as well. And uh, listen, you guys have an awesome week. Love you guys. And uh, continue to pray. Pray for our nation. Get into God's Word. Read it. Let it guide you, direct you, and remember about the authority of Scripture. God bless. And uh, I hope to see you uh, live or on the feed this coming Sunday. See you soon. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.